You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You are very welcome. I am Ahanu, and this is my lovely Angel Rose. And today we are blessed to have with us the great Penny Kelly. <laughs> now let's <laughs> let's position this a little bit before we bring you on, Penny, because Angel Rose and I, but especially Angel Rose, has been going through a pretty hard time this last while with this information. And specifically, we're talking about the information from Mauro Biglini's book, The Gods of the Bible. And yeah. Just explain briefly, Angel Rose, why it has caused such a hardship and wh- why we want to talk to Penny today. Well, as I was discussing with Hanu, it's like I'm not a Bible study person. <laughs> I've never really gotten into the Bible ever, never really wanted to. Oh. And um, But even so, the information that he's presenting in this book rattled my cage, rattled my cage big time, okay? <laughs> and... Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on this and introduce it the way you want. And then I'll talk about my reactions and why I had them. And I think why a lot of people might have them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because this is a, I mean, I went through a horrible period of feeling abandoned, completely abandoned. Okay. And kind of searching for, well, who is up there? You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, so let's, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Penny, and let you start where you want to start. And we'll lead into this. Okay. Um, It's not an easy book to just kind of say, okay, let's, (laughs) let's dive in. But the basic message of this book is of Morrow's book is that the Bible has been mistranslated. And my own personal, personal observation is that a lot of people are not discerning that a book has been mistranslated, they are then mistranslating that message and saying, oh, you're saying God doesn't exist. And that's not what's happening. Right, right. um, There have been a number of of things that that he has pointed out that indicate, I think there's a, a double whammy. Not only is the the Bible mistranslated and all of the references to some other beings from Mm -hmm. elsewhere in the universe are here and have been managing us. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, where where's God in all of this? And I I'm going to say and I'm going to say this now and I'm going to say it at the end. I have had an experience kundalini of awakening to that god self that god that isn't anything like what people who read the bible think of him as and 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 so there is a god it's just not the same kind or the same functions that people have thought but there's another better way that you can discover and that's the great gift in all Penny, in lots of ways, this information is not new in that we've seen in, for example, in the exploration of the Egyptian monuments and so on, we've seen indicators that show that there have been beings coming from extraterrestrial beings 
and brought knowledge and information to the earth. We've seen it, seen it in Mesopotamia. We've seen it in the works of um, the translations from the Anunnaki and all of that. But yeah. what I'm what I'm amused at is that even though you do have this information that has come to us over the last number of years through archaeology and all and various methodologies, it's very hard for people to shift to make that I know. that move to is this possible? Yeah, that's what I find really interesting. And he spells it out as plain as day, and still we find, whoa. Could this be true? You know? Well, I think for me, one of the big realizations was it's the same beings controlling the world now. And I and I think that I've kind of made this connection from how long ago that was when we were first created and planted in the garden, by the way, to the beings that are still demanding obedience and control everything from politicians to the medicine to, you know, on and on and on we go. Um these authority figures are they're the same beings, okay? And I think I was just really kind of shell-shocked into that realization <laughs> as I read this, um, especially when he just talks about how the old, the old concept of original sin was made up, the whole idea of guilt and blame was made up, and um, that you're sinning against some exterior God. I mean, all of that. And, and just think about everybody's kind of groomed to think that when they grow up, you know? know, like where's your conscience, you know, and guilt and blame, and this one's guilty and yeah. deserves punishment. And let me ask and when you, you die, you, you're still in sin. Yeah. So when you were growing up, you were raised Catholic, weren't you? Yes, both so, of us. The okay. one true religion, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one of the true, maybe. <laughs> I'll go that far. Um, so did you really believe the original sin thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I went time. to a Catholic school, so you know, every time the bishop would come in and we'd all have to stand up and, you know, the whole thing of going to confession repeatedly. Right. He'd you slap know, you across the face then. Uh, no, they never got Oh, we did. you, maybe. At conference, <laughs> well, I got slapped, all right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was asking questions. Seriously, I was asking questions at that early age that just did not make sense to me. You know, some of that dogma. It just couldn't, I just couldn't, it just could not make sense. And uh, the more I asked questions about it, the more I got, I was seen as a kind of a rebel or a, a blasphemer, a blasphemer, and a heretic. Seriously, oh, wow. and and I you know what happened? You in that role. <laughs> I know, but interestingly, Penny, I went the other way. I went into the religion to see what was I missing, and I became an altar boy, and I, you know, worked yep. with the priests and all the rest of it. And then I started to see some really questionable things, like, for example, um. The priest, I, as an altar boy, I was preparing the, I've forgotten the, the, water cruci and wine. the crucibles, the water and wine, all that yeah. to go just before going out to mass, you know, going out to say mass. Mm -hmm. And the priest would take the little glass thing and he'd take a big slug of the wine himself <laughs> and he'd put it back and he said, fill that up again. And I'd fill it up again. And then he'd go out to say mass. And <laughs> now, seriously, I'm, I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm just saying that as a seven, eight, nine year old, my head was saying, something just not right here like, yes. that, that's not right yeah and then and of course multiple other reasons why i was questioning yeah but i went through that whole deep catholic indoctrination 
for a lot of years in Holy Catholic Ireland. And thankfully, I came out. I was going to be a priest. And I came out the other end. Until he discovered sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that made me a sovereign being. <laughs> I think that happened to a lot of people. <laughs> well, in some ways, well, I think in some ways, thankfully. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that. So that I just wanted to give you a kind of a background as to where the questioning for me, anyway, was way back, was a long way back. Yeah. And it's only now that like through the help of these guys who were willing yeah. to expose truth or are willing to do deep investigation yeah. that is showing that perhaps my intuition was right and a lot of people's intuition was right that there's you know there's there's truth here that's been hidden from us oh. so and, and you've done a lot of work with consciousness yeah Annie. so we would love to hear from you like how does this information fit in with consciousness i think it's the um from my point of view it is the release of all the dogma all the mistranslations all of the what i'm going to call the false beliefs or the misplaced beliefs uh in and frees up consciousness i've really um a long time ago, I read the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, yeah. and it's a whole different approach, and and the Gospel of Philip, and the Gospel of mm -hmm. Thomas, and of Judas. There, there's a whole bunch of Gospels that have not been included, and I don't remember every detail of each one, but I do remember thinking, why were these left out? These are key pieces to what the man was teaching. And, and they, I think they got left out because they would have led to the enlightenment, the true enlightenment and the coming into power of the consciousness and therefore of the individual. And the church yeah. didn't want that. Um, and there's, uh, there's a few other pieces that I think are very key maybe we can mention these maybe not later mm -hmm. down the line but where did those those elohim go if they're well, still what, here you've raised they're still here well they are i think because you raised you put your finger on something very important there you said um where uh, uh the church didn't want us to know but the church has to be the elohim because the elohim didn't want us to know yeah, I I, well, know. I know that's a stretch, but <laughs> that's not much of a stretch. <laughs> well, but you see where I'm going with it. So, and that's why we also feel that in places of power in the world today, it has to be that same agenda. Yes, because they're all about keeping humans controlled and stifled, and right. certainly not stepping into their own power. Yeah. Okay. So let's um, back up just a little step here. So one of the things that I have talked about over the past year, which I was very kind of shy about bringing up, was that I came here to counter the takeover effort. And I didn't focus a whole lot. I did say 
look, you guys, there's a takeover effort that has been going on for a very long time, longer than you can probably imagine. And, and, and that has to be countered in order for us to really escape that, number one, and two, come into our own potential. The whole thing is about reaching the human potential. So the, the two agendas are running in competition at this point. And the, one agenda is run by the hidden controllers. We'll call them Elohim. You can call them the elites. You can call them. They're the bloodlines that have been very carefully tracked over time to make sure who's from that original bloodline and who's not. And so there's, there's a whole lot that could be said there. And I would, you know, there's, so let me just stay on track here for a moment. Um, so that when you, when I come along and say, here's how reality actually works, or here's how we got here. There are beings who go around the cosmos and they seed life. They seed life and then they watch over that and they nurture that and they try to prevent that, that civilization, that group of life, um, you know, in some form, they prevent that or try um, to prevent that from going down the tubes and having to start over. And here we are, each time you come to a threshold where you could take an evolutionary step, there's big turmoil. And the people who like to be in control are usually the ones creating all that turmoil because they're almost about to take over. But as the patterns become clear, consciousness recognizes patterns big time. And so after a while, what happens is people begin to say, hey, what's going on here? This doesn't look right. It doesn't quite feel right. And they stand up. They begin to speak up. The early people get shamed. Some get taken out. Some get made fun of, you know, ridiculed, sidelined, fired from their job, whatever. Um, but people keep standing up and the hope from those beings that seed and nurture life is that eventually the whole group will stand up together and there will be this, uh-uh, we're not going there. And they take a step and there's, there's always the potential of taking, you know, a whole bunch of steps at once and really creating a heaven world. But even a small step is greatly appreciated by those of us who realize how how much effort it is to make that shift you know look at just the three of us we're fairly well read we're fairly well developed and still the information uh, at least for a lot of people about gods of the bible or the naked bible or those other gospels is like wow it's a it's a shock and it rattles what you say rattles your your chains or your cages my brain your brain <laughs> my brain it's like you know when you, you put a, a can of paint in the mixer you know you're <laughs> the machine. okay yeah okay but, uh, but i wanted to ask you because in the beginning you mentioned that you 
there is, you said there is a God out there. Yes. Okay. And talk to us about that, Penny, because I think oh. for me, when I read this and the fact that he kept referring to Yahweh, who I've never believed in anyway, Yahweh being an, an Anunnaki God or an Elohim God or whatever, right? not the real God. And the fact that the real God's not mentioned. So talk, can you talk to us about the real God so that we're not all left? I mean, I felt very abandoned at first. I felt like, well, who, you know, when I'm really troubled and I say, God, please help me. It was kind of like, um, well, who, who can I say that to now other than myself? There, okay. There you have it. There you have it right there. <laughs> so, yeah. so just hang on to that thought. Um, the real God, when you have a full-blown Kundalini experience, you become that God, you recognize that God, that you are in God, you're made of God, God is in you, and there's no difference between the two of you. What in the old days, uh, let's see if I can bring that up. In Back in the days of when Jesus was teaching, they talked about the body, the soul, which is the mind, and and we call it the psyche and and then the spirit this stuff what they were really talking about or what they were trying to do was to figure out okay what's what and the body is this and then we have this mind and this perception but what what can you do with that mind and that perception and why is it that sometimes something else seems to come in to be seen, you have a vision, to be heard, you get a message, um, to be felt, you have this overwhelming gut feeling or gut knowing, just like yours, Ahanu, watching the priest saying, what? <laughs> Something's not right here. Um, mm -hmm. There's this gut knowing. And, and that's, you know, that's a, how do you deal with that? And so that's what they were dealing with back then. What we know now is that that great, the, that all reality, all realities are created by the minds of beings who shape that reality, who take it in a certain direction, because they are the God stuff expressing within a particular area or region of space. That space actually is vibrating those vibrations are frequencies those frequencies carry consciousness the kind of frequency makes a difference as to what kind of consciousness you'll have how you'll see how you'll react um, and a, a very high frequency is one thing a very low frequency is another um, they're all useful and we here on this planet or in this reality only have a small range there are other realities the god when you encounter that god and you become that nothing else exists except for this immense love that has no description right it's been 45 right. years now for me since the introduction um, and the relationship with that Godhead, um, and that there's still no words that can even begin to approach the bliss, the love, the contentment, the satisfaction, the feeling 
of the I am. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and that's all I need uh, is just yeah, I am. And that bliss then, that occurs when everything is in perfect relative harmony and balance. Whenever the frequencies get out of balance, then you have this force of, in which they attract and try to go back into balance. Fortunately, mm -hmm. humans are so interesting and so interested in everything around them. They're curious. Um, they want more experience. They want to feel more, know more, see more, do more. And yeah. so they keep on creating. So the bottom line for the Godhead is when you're in the Godhead, that's it. Without you, the creator, there's no creation. It, that's just the bottom line. And, and that is what has been trained away from us by the religion, the dogma, and right. other, other races of beings, not the bad one. There are, you know, there's some people out there who say, oh, all the ETs are good. No, I'm sorry. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to counter contradict somebody who's really very, you know, involved in that and has only had really good experiences. But where I come from, that is not the case. And mm -hmm. there are people here who I have been trying to take over. This is their third attempt at a complete takeover. And there's big gaps in between. They're not interested in primitive people. They wait until we begin to have a technological uh, society and we have some capability to understand and not react like animals to the, the technology mm -hmm. and to begin to be able to follow orders. They want people who follow orders and only obey. They don't want anybody thinking for themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a really ugly agenda behind that. Um, mm -hmm. There are things that go on. You hear little bits and pieces here and there about what happens with children and slavery and off-planet trafficking. And yeah. that is what we are up against. And I don't want to focus on that because that just scares yeah. people. But yes, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is that there's another whole group of people here and they are saying, nope, not going there. <laughs> nope, we didn't see that group of people to have them come this far and get taken over by you guys. And that's what the whole mRNA thing is about, yes. getting yeah, you yeah. patented so that yes. you're recognized. And so the group yes. saying no is saying, come on, come on, let's raise our consciousness. Yeah. Let's yeah. step into our wisdom, our grace, yeah. our power. Grace is the ability to align with the positive energies. So in wisdom is when you know the difference between the positive and you can see, you have enough vision to look ahead and see where does this pattern go? What does this kind of thinking and behavior lead to? And, and you say, no, I, you know, you have to have discernment. And so what the Godhead offers is this incredible peace, this incredible wisdom. 
and this incredible sense of what I'm going to call separation or detachment. When you step into that self that is the Godhead formed as man, humans, that's what Jung called the observer self. If you're just looking from the physical, the human, you're going to get all tangled up. You're going to get all freaked out. You're going to be upset. Um, there's all kinds of limitations. And so what, what I think you do and Gail and what I have done in my classes is try to develop people and get their understanding of what's out there that Godhead to a much higher level, to a much more inclusive kind of perception. And, and people have to choose, they will choose mm -hmm. that. Um, there's been talk for a long time about the great rapture, the great calling kind of thing. What is that? That's merely the people who choose to say, I'm going to develop the whole self. And those who say, eh, you know, I want what we used to have. Yeah. I'm going back. Yeah. Um, and so that's where the choice is. And that literally creates a new timeline that people move along. And for a long time, they're very close, parallel, but they move further and further apart until mm -hmm. you can't see the other anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there we have. That's why Source called it the split when it told me about it. It didn't call it a shift. It called it a split. That it, That's exactly what happens. It is mm -hmm. a split. Yeah. So, so before we move on, I want to just ask you, so how would you describe Kundalini? Would you say Kundalini is the God force in your body? Would you call it electricity? What would you call it? Okay. Um, probably the, the simplest, most accurate uh, description would be the awakening to the Godhead within. And you have to have enough energy to do that. So you have to have more energy, electricity moving through you. That electricity is energy. Um, and when you have enough, when you have enough energy moving through the system, each individual is a little region in space of a whole bunch of unique arrangements of frequencies. We are frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you have this massive throughput of, of electricity, you will have enough energy to reconfigure that, that set of frequencies that you are. And, and everybody is always looking for more energy. And if you're just mm -hmm. focused on the physical, then you're going to, you know, be looking for more money. You're going to be looking for more property. You're going to take stuff away from people. You're going to hurt people. You're going to kind of act vampirish, like a vampire in terms of trying to get more energy, never really understanding that it's electrical energy that you are trying to move through you and to accumulate enough so that those frequencies arrangements that you already are can rearrange at a more efficient and much more powerful level that keeps you in touch with the Godhead. So I have been in that now for 45 years and I keep, I say to people, I keep my big toe in that, that bliss all the time. 
And people often will say, well, how come that didn't upset you? Why didn't you get mad about that? Why, you know, on and on. And it's because there's a certain level of detachment or separation that you have. Um, It doesn't interfere with any of your joys or any of your fun, but there's this detachment that allows you to be looking at things from that God self Mm-hmm. And not from the physical only self. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penny, that was a beautiful answer that you gave to Angela Rose when she asked about God. And I didn't want to interrupt you, but in your in your explanation of it, there were so many questions that were coming up. Okay. And I'd love to ask one of them now. And okay. it's a it's a question that a lot of people ask, and a lot of people have asked us. When you mentioned about raising your consciousness and raising your frequencies, your frequency, a lot of people like say well what is that what does that mean like what what do i do to do that you know and um if i could just before you answer um the way i understood that was angel rose in 2019 went through this dark night of the soul where she was talking about the dimensional split right at that point in time she was told that it is a choice it is just a choice of saying i'm going i'm going to like you said i'm going to stay with the old paradigm with the corruption and with the fear and all that or i'm going to choose love instead that it's it's as simple as that that in that very choice is the frequency jump that's right am i right in understanding that you're right that's right you the ugly mean thoughts have a very low frequency the beautiful thoughts beauty it, it just beauty is a very high frequency When you look at some of the art that began to come out, you know, the Campbell's soup can, um, some of the Mondrian art where it was just paint thrown on a canvas and you're like, okay, uh, yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Those, uh, that is an indicator of where we're in some kind of transition and nothing makes sense. And there is no beauty. So beauty, harmony, um, love, if you don't or haven't ever had a chance to give and have the reaction uh, of giving to somebody and they are utterly grateful and Mm -hmm. you both end up in tears, that's another example of a very high frequency. And and so the high frequency you can... um, Let's see. So let's let's have a little bit of an intuition one class, okay? So the human being is made of frequencies. The brain cycles through a set of frequencies every two hours, all day long, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It cycles through um, beta, which is your everyday consciousness, alpha, and then which is lower, it's kind of a daydreamy state. And then theta, which is very creative. It's kind of, most people experience theta as fatigue, but it doesn't have to be fatigue. And then there's delta, which is when you are, you're totally focused inward and you're often asleep and you're, there's no response to the world. And you're in that period of time when you're in delta, your frequencies Um, the brain, all of you is kind of resetting 
you are using your frequencies to replenish very delicate chains of peptides and polypeptides and proteins that get used up in the course of doing the everyday thing and they have to be replenished. So you need the nutrition and then you need this downtime where you're not interfering into those creative frequencies with all this mental frequency stuff that goes on. So yes. then you cycle back up from delta into theta, into alpha, into beta, and then back down. And often we move up now into high beta. It's kind of a high stress state. Um, and now we have identified gamma, which is 30 cycles per second. Most people live at 12, 14 cycles per second. It's 12 to 14 hertz. That's your everyday consciousness. When um, you want to do intuitive work, if you do it up in high beta, you're going to wear yourself out. But if you move up into gamma, you move into another dimension altogether. And there are different ethics, different perspectives, different ideas about the rules, about what could be, about possibilities. And so that you won't really know what cycle you're in or, you know, what frequency you're in unless you've really done a lot of research and work around that. And I'll say this, when I first started out, I was involved with Michigan Holistic Health Association and Dr. Dick Williams and a bunch of other people uh, way back in early 70s, or I'm sorry, early 80s. And, and I heard these terms, alpha, beta, they were just discovering these various frequencies. And so I took those and did a whole bunch of research into, well, what happens when I'm in alpha? What happens when I'm in theta? What happens in high beta? And, and so on. And so I thought I was working from like alpha to do my intuitive work. And then I got hooked up to a bunch of brain wave equipment and it was very sophisticated. And what we discovered was that I was splitting. I put the body in alpha so it would relax and I would move consciousness up into gamma where I had access to everything. And that was a surprise for all of us. Um, and people said, well, how are you doing that? And I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's very similar to channeling. Yes. When you channel, you have to put your everyday self aside and you have to, you know, there's a few things that I do um, physically to, to move into those very high ranges of frequency. But the thing that they were surprised about uh, especially people from the University of Chicago were like most people can only bump up into gamma 30 to 40 cycles per second for a minute or two, and then they cut back down. And I discovered, and I think this is a result of an awakened consciousness, I could move up there and stay up there for hours and hours and move down to do something in the physical world and go back up to get information and back and forth and have conversations while up there. Um, and so that was kind of a revelation. And, um, and some people wrote some stuff about that. And I have some photos. It was like, oh, look at that. 
Um, and so I think what um, now I've lost track of the original question, but I think in terms of high frequency, yeah, yeah I think yeah. in terms of how to um, how to move up, one of the ways of of at least getting used to other frequencies is to meditate. I don't meditate much anymore. I don't have time and I don't need to because I can use my, I can move into whatever level of beingness that I need to be in. But well, let me ask you another question along the same lines. You did mention about the vampire energy, how that is yeah. comes from the Elohim and all of what we started off talking about. Yeah. And, and then also how that vampire energy is always about taking, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we, we were discussing this morning something that we found rather interesting, that in the Bible, it talks all the time about uh, the Elohim and the Elohim demanding people serve them. And it was and all sacrifice animals and sacrifice children and all sorts of things. Yeah, but specifically, it was about serving, you know, and that's yeah. also a Obedient. church, a church Obedient. obedience. Yeah, a church right. thing about uh, serving. And what we figured, what we realized, it, it kind of hit us quite quickly was that if you give unconditionally, then you're not serving and you're not being a vampire. You're not taking. That's so right. it's like it's like making that choice, you know, yeah. where you said, like, I'm choosing love instead. Right. And that's how easy it can be. And you've beautifully described it almost like from a spiritual technical perspective. But the way I understood it is it's a choice of saying, I'm choosing love instead, and I am choosing to give instead of take. Yeah. And I don't want to oversimplify it. It's very also, simple. That's why people can't get it. Right. So, yeah. 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 Like it does make you happy when you give something to somebody else. Oh. And they're they're happy. They become happier. They, yeah. you know, no matter yeah. what it is. You know, I used to make little fairies. And just to see people smile <laughs> at a little fairy would just, you know, that was great. Yeah. You know, so, um, and even my 47-year-old son, you know, every year I make little Christmas ornaments for them. And they're usually fairies of some type. Very and good. my son called me up and he goes, Mom, we decided you should sell those. That's your, oh. like, my son has collected every single ornament I've ever made oh. in the past 10 years. And his girlfriend said, okay, now we have to get a bigger tree. <laughs> but I mean, just to see smiles on their faces, something small like that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's small or big. That the whole act of giving to somebody is happiness. As opposed uh, to taking. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I wanted to go back just for a minute, way back to the beginning here and talk about my reaction to this book. Yeah. Because first I was very angry and then I was really depressed. Remember, Hannah? Yes. And he goes, it's not like you to be depressed. Why are you so depressed? And I said, I just feel vulnerable. Okay. That oh, was yeah. the word I used. And so then it went from that to... I woke up this morning and I got, had this sense of power, Penny, that was I've never experienced before. There was this inner voice that kept saying, well, you know, you don't have to be dependent upon anybody else for anything. You know, you can, you can go do this. You can go do that. You can create. So like, it was kind of like a release. It was like, oh, all this time I've been dependent on X, Y, Z for this or that is was gone. And it was kind of like saying you can, you can do this. You're powerful enough to do all this. And it was such a big realization on a level that I hadn't had before. Oh, where wow. I really 
Oh, independently powerful is the word I want to use. Very nice. Yeah, it was it was really cool. You Nothing know, needs to be added. <laughs> yeah, so. but it was. But I feel like I had to go through those emotions. I didn't analyze them. I just let myself feel them. First, it was anger, and then it was disgust. I think yeah. I was disgusted at the degree of the manipulation and the yeah. degree of betrayal and lies. Let me say something. I think that that's exactly what the general population is going to go through. When you want to expand consciousness, you have to go through that realization that you have been manipulated, you have been suckered. And there's this that comes up, and then you're free. So that's the way that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I brought it up because I do want to tell people. There is a process to this that you might go through oh. when you start realizing this stuff. Very good. You know, um, and in fact, there's a, a friend of ours. She's also, I understand, a, a student of yours, Penny. And she she has voiced concern about how to help people cope with this kind of realizations because she yeah. feels that it will be it will be devastating not only to their own kind of psyche psyche them, them, themselves but also to society she feels there'll be like a societal breakdown do you see that i happening do in any way yeah yeah that's what i've been thinking about the last few days it's like okay um mm-hmm. if this you know if this really when this because i see it actually happening um when this becomes widespread knowledge um what's what's all happening at the same time is that the government is looking like it has clay feet the medical system can't be trusted the schools are doing something awful instead of teaching Uh, the financial system is not something we can depend on and now there goes our god well (laughs) you talk about the the, right of the old paradigm yeah yeah so what really has to happen is for people to stand up and say, and, and I was thinking about this, it's like, I know now why you guys had me have that Kundalini thing. And so I would stand up and say, hey, there is a God, never mind the book, never mind the mm-hmm. translation, never mind the years of feeling like you weren't good enough or you had some mm-hmm. sin or you, whatever. <laughs> the whole thing is about moving beyond that and anger is change energy. It's so that that's going to happen. Um, and and there's there's this immense what I'm going to call uh, field of creation creativity that's beyond that anger and a whole new world waiting to be put together, restructured, reorganized. Um, And that, I think, is very exciting, especially when you think to yourself, wow, we have a whole new foundation on which to build. Uh, We don't have the corruption anymore. We don't have the financial threat hanging over our head. We don't have false ideas about who's in charge, the Godhead. It's us. (laughs) And we're going to experience what we create. And so on and so on. And we don't have that whole medical issue. We can get healthy and stay healthy. And life is good. Life will be, and it will be. 
it will be absolutely, I think, so good that people are almost afraid to touch that, afraid to imagine that. Yeah. And yeah. and that's really, um, well, let, let me bring in a point here. One of the things that the Gospel of Mary Magdalene had as a like a key piece was this, um, there's the physical realm and then there's the realm of God, which is the void, nothing, nothing there. What's, you know, what's in between? How do you get from this God to mm -hmm. this realm that we're in? And what she mm -hmm. said was, that's the imaginal realm. That's where you have to imagine and create. And that just got wiped right out of the Bible. When people reference that gospel of Mary Magdalene and, and where is that exactly? That you um, that's, you can probably find that online. There's a famous, there's still a lot of religious stuff in the book, in that book, but it's um, a guy named of Leloup, Leloup, L-E-L-O-U-P. And I think, um, his middle name is Y-V-E-S. I forget what the first name is. I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. That's the title. Yeah. So um, what she's, she says a lot of things. But what she says is, and she's having this confrontation with Peter and Andrew. She says, look, you guys, you're not getting it. It's not just about the practical, you know, what are the rules and uh, who do we follow? It's about what are we creating? What's going on in the mind, heart, the spirit of the self? Where's that imagination? And um, people who have written about her gospel have said she's not talking about the kind of imagination that in fact, that whole term imagination has been degraded to be fantasy, illusion, not real, don't bother. Yeah. And that's not what she's saying. She's saying the what comes is vision and voices. And you have to pay attention to those and decide what are you going to give presence to? What are you going to give your time and energy to? Because that results in the world we're in. Mm -hmm. And right. way back then they were saying, well, look, we can have a better world. Well, yeah. here we are still trying. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when you started off talking in, in our discussion yeah. today, Penny, you know, we talked about the, the Bible and how our, our, our world effectively was shocked by these kinds of revelations. And about how yeah. the Elohim heretofore we had this impression or were told that the Elohim was God, and now we're finding it's not. And um, or so, angels, or angels indeed, yeah. yeah. And that it was all all um, miraculous, but we find that it was destructive and jealous and vindictive oh, yeah. gods, all of that. And now, I you're painting a very beautiful picture, a very rosy picture of the, our potential of our future. And and it feels as if we're on the cusp of it. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So rather than rather than look to the world now on the on the outside as being full of fear and potential fear and disaster, we can shift that perception to look at it as potential for 
this wonder and this beauty and this glory that yep. you're talking. That's exactly right. When you when you want to open to that level of of beingness, that level of consciousness, you have to let go of some of the crap, a lot of all of the crap eventually. But you start with, okay, um, let's let go of that. And let's not worry about that. Let's do this. And pretty soon you're not worrying about what they're doing over there. You're focused yeah. on what, you know, what do I need to do over here? And how do I do that in such a way that it contributes to the world that I would like to be part of? Yes. And that's where your time and energy goes. And that creates the widening split right. that we talked about earlier. And, yeah. and I think the thing that's really disheartening for people, and it was for me in the beginning after Kundalini, um, you know, you don't have any time. You don't get much time to get ready for Kundalini, the kind that I had, the spontaneous explosive kind. Um, and, and so all of that adjustment, all of that grief, all of that confusion, all of those questions, all of that fear, you hit boom, like a brick wall and you have to deal with it. And I, yeah. I think, you know, I'm watching the world go through exactly what I went through with Kundalini, except they have the luxury of a little bit of time. And the Bible, yeah, it's been a mainstay. Um, I, let me add something in here as well. If you read the work of Anatoly Fomenko, he says point blank over and over, look, uh, 1800, 1800, at least 1200 years was added to the timeline and that Jesus was working in what we think of as the 1500s, the 1200s, something like that. The Shroud of Turin has been dated to the 15th century, I think it is. Um, so if you take out the extra time that was inserted and the, you know, the stuff that was uh, declared to be happening in Bethlehem and Jerusalem and all around there, if that if he is correct, then Jesus is much closer to us in time. And the mm -hmm. takeover effort is much more prescient in terms of time. And and if you know how takeover proceeds, what you see is, oh, we're they're right on schedule. And we need to take the steps of stepping into our own power and wake up to that that great love within it's so strong and live by that live with that live in that live through that and that then means that miracles are possible because if you're the one creating and you're the one imagining picturing having the visions then everything that you imagine is what's going to come to be in the physical realm. So there's the source of miracles right there. You're working from that that self that is the Godhead, not yeah. the physical. One of the things that I find, and this is just my own personal thing all through my life, but especially since meeting Angel Rose, I've, I've spotted 
<laughs> I've spotted countless synchronicities that I yeah. call sometimes miracles because, I mean, some of them are crazy in the sense that we'd be driving along the road and at 55 miles an hour in a 55 mile zone and we're 55 miles to our destination and it's 55 degrees or, you know, crazy, ridiculous things like that, right? Ah. But right now, as we record this interview with you, it's ah. it's January, which is 1, one eleven or eleven one. I don't know which way you say it in the US. Yeah. <laughs> eleven one. It's eleven one. No, oh, sorry. One eleven. Eleven fifty five right now. Oh. <laughs> and, and seriously, I'm only picking that up because I, I want to I want to use it by way of reassuring people because many people have yeah. said to us too, I'm starting to see these synchronicities all over the place. You know, know. and this is people saying to us, I, I'm seeing these. You know, I'm seeing 11-11s, I'm seeing 12-12s, I'm seeing these numbers. Can you just address that quickly before we get to the top of the hour? Like, can we look to those as being somehow reassurances or indicators that we're going in the right direction? <laughs> yes, they are, especially the 1111. Um, that <laughs> yeah. is the reminder that there is the one God within. That is the only basis for monotheistic religion it's yeah. it's the god within and and so the people who have been seeing that one 11 11 one 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 for mm -hmm. years that's a reminder hey you're supposed to be looking within go yeah. within the the yeah. wisdom the consciousness is within and therefore that heaven is with that angel rose was born on 11 11 did you know that oh no i did not <laughs> <laughs> okay wow when you have synchronicities like that that's not coincidence those are the points of i call you know i call them uh you know come well i won't say what i call them but those are moments when a whole bunch of positive factors come together and you know it's it's something that says or that backs up yep Okay, in the world of mathematics and numbers, everything makes absolutely perfect, beautiful, beautiful sense, beautiful yeah. patterns. When you yeah, see yes. the patterns in nature and you see the patterns yeah. on a page of calculus, <laughs> most people yeah. don't get that, but um, there's a beauty in that yeah. and truth in those yeah. numbers. And yeah. calculus is about truth. Is it true or is it not true? And yeah. and so here we are with numbers backing us up over and over again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to ask anything before we close, Angelos? Well, just real quick, we did have the same person who sent us some of this stuff Ahana was talking about. Okay. Wanted to know what does an actual day look like for you, Penny? She she was basically saying, how does Penny use her time? to to kind of evolve and stay in this higher place wow so like do you do you mentally create or do you just allow or what you know because there's a difference between manifesting and surrendering now i have to think about that i it's been in the beginning of the kundalini changeover to a more expansive consciousness i couldn't focus on anything except what the hell is happening here and so there was this huge effort. It took me 17 years to finally say, okay, 
this is how I am. It's not going to go back to what it was. Um, You know, what can I do with this? I started to get back into my normal, curious cat kid self. (laughs) So what happened at that point was that there were, I stopped fighting. I stopped fighting what was happening. And I started learning from everything I saw, every person I encountered, everything I read, everything I ate or cooked, or we were building big time. We were building this place. Um, This place is huge. It's an old barn converted to, you know, 20,000 square foot home with, you know, 33, 35 bedrooms and uh, or 35 rooms. And it's a big place. So there was a lot of creation happening there. And there were people coming and going, you know, Mm -hmm. helping with this or that project. I learned from everyone, how do I want to um, interact? And so, okay, somebody's texting me madly here. (laughs) Um, So what became habitual is this... um, is this way of being that eventually, you know, I think I've talked about this before, where I came to this point where I got really angry um, with my husband and my father-in-law because they were treating me like what I considered to be a slave. (laughs) Okay, we'll have dinner at this time and we'll have cookies and coffee at this time and we wanna have lunch ready by here. And I'm like, who the heck do you think you are? So I was, you know, there was this period where <laughs> so I got very upset and and then my husband embarrassed me just terribly. He he yelled at me like I was a little kid, totally misunderstanding what I was asking. And so what did I do? I threw up my hands and said, okay, fine. I'm just gonna do what you say. I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. And when it all falls apart, it will all be your fault. So I uh, took that attitude and it was like, hmm. uh, and that led to the discovery that I did not have to react. I didn't have to care. I didn't have to get upset. What I discovered was the immense freedom of detaching myself from all of the daily grind, whatever. And that became a key turning point. And that freedom has stayed with me ever since. And and so when I, my day, the morning belongs to me, I come online and start working about 12 noon. And I work until 12, one, two in the morning. I go to bed and I get up the next day. The morning belongs to me. I do my exercises. I, you know, sometimes I'll lay in bed and just daydream. It's not really daydream. It's I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about things and pulling in perspectives and Mm -hmm. input and kind of sifting through those, you know, is that worth thinking about? Is that worth pursuing? Um, There's a lot of ahas that happen in that early morning thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I do my exercises only take a few minutes and then um, breakfast and um, treadmill and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 
And then when I interact with people, I'm free. I'm totally free from noon until midnight yeah. to interact. Yeah. And my role is, um, I'm just going to be me. Well, and sometimes that. that's, sometimes that's entirely that. practical. And sometimes that's, yeah. what are you talking about here? You know, did you think yeah. about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a beautiful insight into your world. And we appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners and viewers would appreciate that too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the what, what does the king do every day? <laughs> what does the what? The, what does the king do every day on, in Camelot? What does, you know, that story? <laughs> okay. No, I haven't heard that story, but what that's does Queen Penny do every day? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. all the normal things, you know, I, I cook and, and I love to do my own cleaning, but yeah. I work seven days a week. 12 yeah. to 14 hours a day and um and i love it i absolutely yes. love it so yeah yeah, yeah. For us too and put, you know we put in a lot of hours and but we love what we do this yep. is the interesting thing and it's like as if there's a prana that you pull in that is sustaining you know yeah that is so true it's breath yeah. you know when i get to feeling tired i stop and think yeah. okay what do i need yeah. Okay, let's breathe. Let's pull in some energy. Oh, keep going. Yeah. It only takes a minute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People get, I think the church has kind of pushed the idea of ceremony and ritual. And I love a little ritual here and there, but I don't have time for a lot of ritual yeah. and setup and ceremony. And so I'm creating on the fly as I go. Yes. All the time. Yes. Okay. Well, look, uh, do you have any last remarks about the Elohim, Bigalini's books? The Elohim and Gods of the Bible. I know he's been yeah. showing up on YouTube a lot lately for some reason. All oh, yeah. Stuff, there's all these videos from interviews with him with, by other people. And, yeah. You know. I think I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. Keep in mind that we're talking about a book. The book has been mistranslated. Don't don't you translate that as meaning that there is no God because there is a God and we are about to discover that that God is within and is alive and powerful and wonderful. And yeah, you might be a little bit afraid of your own power at first. That is a natural stage of development. But what's yeah, there's no other way to learn. Just Beautiful. do it. Right. That's a beautiful yeah, note on which to finish. Yeah, Penny, yeah. as always, we are immensely grateful. Yeah, and, I know, grateful. and I know on behalf of our viewers and listeners, we express yeah. that gratitude to you for being who you are and for oh, being with you. us. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, blessings. thank you. And I love you guys. <laughs> we love you too. We love you too. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> Until next time, what yeah. can we think of next time? <laughs> okay. There will be something. <laughs> well, okay. I expect yeah. that it'll be a whole new paradigm shift that we'll be yeah. becoming aware of. And we can talk about that beautiful experience. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. you can't have an, a paradigm shift with the old God or the old no. idea about God. That's right. You there you go. No, yeah. You can't. Okay, Penny, you take care All of right. yourself. We love you very much. Thank you. Blessings okay. All right. We'll again. see you soon. Have a great year. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on our website at worldofempowerment.com. Don't miss an episode. Hit the subscribe button now.